Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton and I'm joined, as always, by Daniel Bellamy. How are you today, Daniel? Good. Doing good. Good week? Yeah, it's been great. What was the highlight? Uh, I don't know. Wednesday was pretty solid today. It was good. Good vibe in here. It was good, wasn't yeah. it? Um, it's not a national holiday tomorrow or anything. It was just just good times yeah. in here. People like, come, you know, it's hump day, right? People need something Right. Help them get through. People need to, to get out on, yeah. on hump day. People need to get out and hump. Mm-hmm. Um, hump the day. What, what else has been going on? What else is going on with you? Um, I, um, not a whole lot. I do have something that I've been kind of tumbling over in my mind for a while. Okay. I could look this up, but you're, you're a man who uh, answers things confidently as yeah. if he knows them. Yep. Yeah. And that's good enough for me. Correct. Uh, why is there a D in fridge, but not in refrigerator? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it's because they are etymologi- et- etymologically derived from two different words, actually. Um, this is a, an example of convergent evolution, mm-hmm. right? But fridge um, comes from uh, the, the, the French frigidaire, whereas refrigerator uh, comes from uh, the Latin. To refrigerate something. Okay. Pretty good. Is that, is that good enough for you? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't buy it for a second. But it was pretty good. <laughs> if I didn't have this little smirk on my face, you might yeah. have you might yeah. have bought that. If I were just listening to it. Uh, I made up all of that. I don't know what the answer is. Do you want to Google it right now? No, not really. Okay. I don't think that makes for good podcasting. But uh, if anybody wants to look that up and let us know in the replies, we need a, we need a reply guy who knows about these things. How sh- we're idiots. How shocked will you be if it turns out that I'm correct about this? Frigid comes from the French word frigidaire, which um, somehow does they, not come from the Latin. They, uh, <laughs> they have different etymologies. That's what I'm going for. I'm sticking with that answer. Oh, right. It is convergent kind of evolution. Yeah, they, they just they happen, look, to they sound, happen to look the they same. They happen to they, sound alike, but they're actually two different words. Fridge is not from refrigerator. Yes, that's what I'm sticking with. Uh, my guess would be that refrigerator uh, did have a D in it at some point. Mm. Or, or they, it came Maybe from... Maybe your fridge did. Yeah, <laughs> just let that just one let me let me derail bit. this conversation briefly. <laughs> Hang out there for a bit. I wonder if the originally refrigerator had a D in it, and then it got bastardized to not have a D, and then fridge fridge carried on. Fridge maintained the D. You know, refrigerator what, lost the D. You know what it might be? Uh, it might be that one of them uh, is the commonly used American word, mm. and the other one is the commonly used British word. Mm-hmm. Um, so like aeroplane and airplane, right. those both mean the same thing. Mm. But when that word was invented or became necessary, our languages were sufficiently far apart that we came up with two different words for it. Right. So it could be that fridge is either British or American and refrigerator is the other one. Mm. It's probably American because if it was British, it would have a U in it somewhere. Fridge. <laughs> Uh, who knows? I mean, if only there was a way to find out anything like this, but uh, sadly there isn't. Yeah. It's a good week for questions this mm. week, actually. We've had uh, another question. Um, friend of Sakamichi, Colin, Colin from Tokyo, has written in with a spicy one, actually. He wants to know, has there ever been a beer that you did not finish for flavor reasons? And if so, what was the offending flavor? Um, it's not quite a flavor reason, but I remember you saying uh, a couple of weeks ago that you had had a Sculpin Habanero mm. IPA mm-hmm. and not finished that. Yeah. Is that right? That's that's the one. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, so Sculpin was Ballast Point. Ballast Point now defunct, right? But uh, Sculpin was Ballast Point's kind of flagship IPA, and they did a bunch of iterations on it with different additives. So they made a grapefruit Sculpin, which I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, I picked up a Habanero Sculpin, and I, I could not drink it. I kind of suffered through about a third of the bottle. And and then at some point, I was like, why am I doing this? I'm not enjoying it, and my face right. is on fire. Right. Uh, yeah, I paid money for it, but I'm just going to pour this down the sink. You weren't able to down sudo the beer sufficiently. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, I was. I'm. I can think of one, but I'm not going to say the brewery because, unlike Ballast Point, it still exists. Mm. Um, but I was uh, at my brother-in-law's wedding mm. uh, in Kamakura, and I picked up a bottle of beer of craft beer from a, a family mart. That was uh, close to the hotel. Fine we were saying. purveyors of craft beer. Absolutely, yes. And um, it's always a red flag when the the craft beer that you are buying doesn't say the style of the beer anywhere on mm, it, right? Sure. It, it'll have like just a name, and that's it, right? Uh, and you they, have to kind know, of guess right. what it's going to be. I think they know that any anybody who opens that can up. Uh, like it's going to be different every time, right? Yeah. Well, Choose what, your own style. What's it going to be? Who who knows? Yeah. Who knows what it could be? Uh, and it maybe it was a flavor thing from the brewery. Maybe it was a case of family mart not taking care of the beer well mm. enough. But it was completely spoiled. Like um, there was a very strong taste of butter and of kind of rotting vegetables mm, in there. Right. So I'm not sure if those are necessarily things that you would want to, to put in the beer. So it was probably more a case of the beer having gone off at some point. Not knowing the style. It could have been completely intentional. But famed hey. famed butter and rotting garbage beers. Is that the, the Harry Potter beer? Maybe. Is butter, butter beer, beer yeah. with hot garbage. Mm. Um, but it, it was so awful that in the hotel room I managed about a sip from the little glass that they give you to brush your teeth with. Right. And then I poured the rest down the sink. So. Was that, but that was, uh, is Colin's question like a beer that was the way it was supposed to be, but you just didn't really like it? Or, yeah. Because we've poured out quite a few beers that we felt were spoiled in yes, some way. That is true. Um, I don't know with this beer. Like mm-hmm. you say, the, the style wasn't written on it. It could just be that it was very badly made. It could be that it had gone off somewhere right. along the line. But I think, yeah, Colin's question is, uh, is there a beer? <clears throat> Have you ever had a beer where the flavor was just something that you didn't care for? Yeah. But it was supposed to be like that right. and you couldn't drink it. Um, the Sculpin is kind of like that. I can think of one more, which is um, I just about managed to finish this, but um, I was out with uh, a friend for his birthday and we were at uh, the old Antenna America in Kanai mm. in Yokohama. And there was a, a bottle of some very fancy stout in the fridge that had a whole rainforest's worth of different spices in it. Okay. And he was quite keen to try it. Mm. So I was like, oh, you know what? It's your birthday. It's only a 333 mil bottle, but I'll, I'll buy it. We'll split it together. We can taste this unusual beer. And the first sip, it was like, oh, wow, that's, that's really complex. There's a lot going on in there. Mm. The second sip, yeah, there's a lot going on in there. And it was only, it was half of that 300 mil bottle, so about 150 mils or whatever. By the end, it was a real struggle right. to finish that tiny amount of beer. There was, if anything, a little bit too much going on in that beer. There was, I actually drank this beer and liked it. This is also Ballast Point, but uh, they, they used to make a beer called Indra Kanindra, mm-hmm. which was the, uh, the curry 
cur- stout with curry powder right, in it. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, I had a glass of that, and it's it's so weird when you first start drinking it. Um, but then, for some people, you drink a bit more and you start to enjoy it. I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. But that is a beer, I think, for a lot of people where they they drank it and went, you know what, this is not for me. Yeah, maybe not. No. Um, I don't have any particular flavors that I strongly dislike. And maybe if I do, I certainly wouldn't order a beer that was flavored with that. Mm. But uh, I think I've been out drinking with people who get a beer delivered to them and they're like, oh, no, this tastes of blueberries or this tastes of cinnamon. I just can't drink this at mm. all because they don't care for that flavor. Right. But I'm not that picky in that way. So mm. I'll drink just about anything. Mm. Speaking of drinking just about anything... What are we going to do on this podcast? What is this podcast all about? Uh, on this podcast, we drink something that we have on tap in here currently, and we talk about it. That's right. We'll drink just about anything. Um, but all the beers that we have in here are good. So we're not going to review the beer, and we're especially not going to review it this week because it is a beer that we made. You know it's good. You know it's Doubly good. Doubly know it's good. Welcome back. Sakamichi beer. It's been a little while since we've had any of our own beer on tap. Bit of a dry spell. Um, thank you very much to Davido Yohei and the team at Idrisil for helping us out with this brew. Mm. This was another phantom brew that we did down there. What is the name of this beer that we're going to be celebrating today? Uh, the world famous Tama's Chocolate Orange Porter. World famous. World famous. People are talking about this everywhere. This is actually the third time we've brewed this beer for Hakamichi Brewing, uh, and it's been subtly, slightly different uh, each time. Uh, last year was a little bit lighter, a little bit more mm. crushable. The first year was a bit heavier. So I'm curious to see what style um, or what kind of flavors we're going to get from this year's batch of Tama's Chocolate Orange Porter. Why do we dive right into it? Let me ask you a question. When you were growing up in America and mm-hmm. Australia, yep. did you get Christmas stockings? Yeah, sure. What were some of the classic stocking stuffers that you used to get? Uh, it was a lot of um, it was a lot of like candy and and fruits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My my brother and I we discovered uh, Monty Python when we were quite young, right? And we watched everything we could get our hands on. We tormented our parents uh, with the spam chant. Yep. And my mom, uh, who became a vegetarian a long time ago, was not at that time, but uh, she knew what spam was. We didn't. We only knew it from from the Monty Python sketch. Did you even realize that it was a real thing? Uh, I mean, I think we had like a general idea. Right. We had as much of an idea what spam was as spam is of what ham is. Right. That makes sense. We yeah, had no, a very, very kind of rough idea. A strange echo of a, sure, a fight. Sure, yeah. Uh, anyway, we tormented them with the song. So uh, one year, uh, my mom found cans of Spam and put them in our stocking, which we were really, really excited about because the joke thing became a real thing. And then that was kind of Christmas tradition after that, that we always get Spam in our stockings every single year. Mm. Spam in your stockings. Yep. Was the spam wrapped? Did you have to unwrap it? Like, do you picking up this present and shaking it next to your ear? What could this be? I hear some sloshing. Just loose spam in there. <laughs> it's in a can. Right? No, no, right. It's but was the, the can, can wrapped? Was the can wrapped? No, it was in the stocking. So it was just. Do you wrap things when you put them in the stocking? Do you not? No, I mean it was just candy and stuff for us in general, right? Okay, Sometimes right. we get like uh, 
Yeah, I don't think we ever really had presents and stuff in there. It was mostly like some fruit, some nuts, some candy, candy canes, and uh, then at some point, a can of Spam got chucked in there as well. Well, uh, I guess it's the, the, the drinkers of Tachikara can thank their lucky stars that it's me who makes the recipes and not you then, because uh, <laughs> this beer that we're drinking right now was inspired by a classic British stocking stuffer, uh, the Terry's Chocolate Orange, mm. which is uh, a cricket ball-sized uh, piece of chocolate divided into segments uh, and flavored with the, the essence of orange. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a real Christmas classic. Yeah. What do you think of the beer that it has inspired? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of this beer. We've had it on the podcast before. Uh, it um, strikes me as very similar to previous versions. You, uh, I, I've often felt that this beer, when you smell it, to me it smells a little bit like flat cola but in a really kind of nice, pleasing way. Um, but I feel like when I unpack that a little bit, you can really, like, you can smell the lemons, uh, sorry, the orange zest in there. Uh, and it's it's almost like it's riding on top of the malt, right? You can right. smell a kind of like biscuity, bready maltiness in there. Um, and then when you drink it, it, it delivers on the promise in the name and in the aroma, right? It's, it, you get a little bit of chocolate notes from the malt, uh, and a solid kind of roasty malt backbone, and then the lemon zest almost like lifts it up, you know, like a hot air balloon taking someone away from their life, like kind of raises the profile of the whole thing and makes it quite refreshing. Mm, the orange zest, yeah. The orange zest. Did I say lemon zest again? Yes. All right, all right, I'm going to try and stop saying that. Um, it's definitely orange zest, but uh, last year this came out, I don't remember exactly, was it 4.6%? It was quite light. It was definitely lighter last year, yeah. And uh, it was very nice. It was very crushable for sure. But I feel like this beer benefits from a little more weight. And I think uh, this year at 6.1, I, I like it more. I feel like it's more balanced and more kind of what I expect it to be. It's definitely more similar to the batch that we brewed in the first year. Um, I know what you mean about the cola now that you've said that, actually. But cola has a a slightly unusual flavor in that it, you can only really describe it in reference to itself. Yeah. But I think part of the the flavor of Coke is caramel and some kind of citrus. Mm. And this beer does definitely have both right. of those things in it. So I can I can see where you're coming from. The the one thing I will say that might be a little bit different from previous iterations is this one I think has a, a stronger bitterness. Mm. I don't know whether we crushed the the dark grains slightly finer or mash them at a slightly higher temperature the recipe is more or less the same but i'm definitely picking up more bitterness from the roasted malts like the amount of hops is the same it's not a hot bitterness it's a roast malt bitterness mm. uh, and that that comes through in a really nice way i think um if you were to i was talking to our part-time staff today and she said that when she heard the name she imagined that this might be quite a sweet beer mm. but it's not at all right it's crushable but it has got a decent amount of bitterness yeah and then that orange uh, aroma that orange zesty note on the top of the palate to kind of lift it up out of that as well i'm pretty pleased with how this came out mm. one of the really interesting things about this beer and, and you know it's kind of given away in the name but the inclusion of tama river water straight from the source yep it's really uh you know you wouldn't think that you could just scoop it out in buckets like we did and Put well, in a beer. The scooping it out in buckets was pretty easy, but then carrying that bucket down to Hidatsuka to pour it into the brew yeah. uh, at Idrisil, that was a challenge. It took a lot of trips. Um, they they did not like me going on the train 
with that open bucket of uh, <laughs> over river and water over again, sloshing it out everywhere. There's got to be a better way to do that. I, I really don't think that there is. I think that is the only way. Um, part of what you're paying for with craft beer is authenticity. That's true, yeah. Uh, and so you, you don't want a manufacturing process. You don't want some kind of pipe going from the river, mm. like directly into the glass. Mm. You want somebody out there with a bucket. Sweating away. In the middle of the, the winter, bucket. like with a stick breaking the ice in mm. the river and then yeah. scooping it up, um, maybe picking a few of the larger stones out. Yeah. Um, famously clean the Tama River as well. You you got to get your hands in there as well um, to to really to sift through all the, the that delicious Tama River water. Mm. For anybody who's listening who doesn't have a sense of humor, we are of course joking about <laughs> that. Every time we drink a beer, we also like to try to pair it with one of eight different things. Although of course we can't pair it with the two most recent things that we rolled, which were, of course... Why is this always... It seems like it's sprung upon me. It's, it's every time it's like the first time I've done the podcast. What's your word of the week this week? Yeah, no, we moved on from that. Where is it? Oh, it's top note there. Uh, it can't be food or music. All right. So it can be one of six other options. Let's roll the dice and find out what it's going to be. Number four, video game. Oh. Interesting choice. So, Tamas Chocolate Orange Porter. What do you want to be playing... Whilst you're drinking a glass of this, when I uh, when I was young and we had just moved back to America, um, we had just made a cross planetary move, which um, even in those days was quite expensive, as I understand. I was young; I wasn't really in on the family finances. But do you go by hot um, air balloon? We did not go by hot air balloon. Just one day, a hot air balloon landed in your <laughs> unpredictable method of transportation. Um, but uh, we we were not necessarily well to do, and then. One year, my, my aunt, uh, who was uh, like much more well-off at that time, I mean, still is, I guess, but uh, she gave my brother and I, she didn't have kids at the time, she gave my brother and I uh, the uh, original NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Right. But it was like the, it was the track and field edition with the, the pad that you right. ran on. Like, it had everything, right? It had the gun for Duck Hunt and the, the running pad for track and field and everything. Uh, so we got that at Christmas time, and I have some like very early kind of well, not very early. I guess I was nine, ten years old, but you know, childhood memories of uh, playing that at Christmas time. And this is a Christmas beer, so right. if I were able to find like an original trackpad, uh, working trackpad, an NES system, I reckon it'd be pretty fun to drink this beer and sit around with some friends and play track and field and duck hunt. Uh, and Super Mario Brothers on an original NES. You're running around on the trackpad, sloshing your glass everywhere, yeah. making a right old mess. Yeah. I mean, the real trick was to to get down with your fists on the trackpad and hammer them, and right. you could make the dude absolutely fly. I think the trick with the light gun was to just touch it to the screen yeah. of the television, wasn't it? If you could go back in time, do you think nine-year-old Daniel Bellamy would enjoy a glass of Tamas chocolate orange water? I was drinking pretty heavily back then, so yeah. this might have been a little. You were more for into me. your single malt stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. This would have been. Uh, I had I had some shit to deal with. I'm sure you did. All those hot air balloons. So, you know, coming to grips with life in America. Right. After my idyllic childhood in uh, in Australia. Welcome back to America. Here's your gun. Get <laughs> practicing. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go in a, a more modern direction, although this is a slightly retro game. Um, I've recently been playing uh, a game on the PC called Tunic, 
That's okay. what I say it in my accent. T-U-N-I-C. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my birthday this month, and my brother very kindly gifted me a copy of this game nice. that I've been thinking about for a while. You play a fox who is exploring a mysterious island. There are mm. lots of monsters. You have to hit them with your sword. It's a bit like Zelda. So like one, opposable thumbs. One of the first things you do is go into a cave and find a weapon yeah. to uh, to attack the Video enemies games. with. Yeah. yeah, And then you have to... Later you find a shield, and then you find a, a wand that can shoot bolts out of it, and okay. so on. So it's a bit of a, a throwback game, um, but this is a slight spoiler for anyone who's playing Tunic. The more you play of it, um, you discover pages of the manual on the island as you're playing the game. Okay. And it's almost all written in a language that you can't read or understand. Mm. So you have to kind of pasture it. There will be a few words in English, and you have to look at the pictures and you discover them out of order as mm. well. Right. So as you're playing it, you'll find this page of the manual, and it'll say, oh, by the way, if you push this button for this long, then you do this. Mm. Oh, so I could do that all along. Right. I just didn't know that I could do mm. that. Uh, and that's really fun. It's really fun to find out. It's a game that really understands your gaming vocabulary. Right? Right. Anytime you see a waterfall, go behind it. Sure. There's going to be something sure. back there. Um, try holding the button down for a little bit. Something might happen. It'll mm. be interesting. Uh, and so it reveals new parts of itself as you are playing it. And um, one thing I will say about this Tamil's Chocolate Orange Porter is it's a beer that kind of deserves to be drunk slowly because as it warms up, the flavor in the glass does change. Mm. I think if we were able to serve this one at a slightly different temperature, I would quite like to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe at eight or nine even because as the the glass warms up, as the beer warms up, the the beer changes quite dramatically. Mm. And I think that's really fun and interesting. And it turns yeah. out that was there all along, but you just couldn't sense it. Mm. You were sensing it in a different way. Wow. Oh, indeed, this week. Yeah, it is. This is philosophical here. Philosophical fox. If you haven't played Tunic, I very much recommend it. Okay. It's a really fantastic game. Uh, let me follow up with a question. Where Where does your time come from to play games? After the kids have gone to bed. Okay. How late do you stay up at night? Yeah, one, two. Right. Okay. No, I, I try to be in bed by one at the very latest. Yeah. But Tunic is one of those games where I look at my watch and go, oh, no, it's one thirty in the morning. Right. I should have been in bed some time ago. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's just testament to what a good game it is. Sure. Right? I, I'm willing to give up on a little bit of sleep mm. to, uh, to explore this next dungeon. Two interesting pairings this week. We had another good listener question this week, didn't we, from a regular correspondent and friend of Sakamichi, Krishna. Yeah. What was the question that she asked? It ties in actually really well with this beer and, and something you touched on earlier. She said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I was kind of in and out, but uh, I believe the question was, um, when you make a beer for a second or third time, something you make over and over again, like uh, Tom's Chocolate Orange or Shibasaki Session, uh, how often does the recipe change or why do you change the recipe? When do you update it? Uh, something along those lines. That's the gist that I got. Yeah, I think that's, that's what the question was. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, and I think the answer changes depending on uh, how often you're making the beer. So something like Shibasaki Session that we, well, at least we used to make quite often, mm. um, I would fiddle a little bit with the recipe each time but mostly something quite minor. Like we're going to change the, the percentage of where the bitterness comes from, from the hops. 
maybe 5% in this direction or mm. that direction. But the recipe itself was almost exactly the same. I think from the second batch through to whatever we did, the sixth or the seventh batch that we did, it was basically the same every time. Um, there will be other small things that we need to change. So um, we, we've talked before on this podcast about how we're dealing with live ingredients and uh, hops have something called alpha acid in them, which is where the bitterness comes from. And that might change from year to year. And it also degrades over time. So you need to slightly adjust the amount of hops that you're using mm. in order to keep the same level of bitterness in the beer. Um, for something that we bring less often, like this Tamas chocolate orange porter, um, I think we're free to experiment a little bit more with it because it's not something that people are expecting to be able to have a glass of in it for, for it to be exactly the same from mm. week to week. This is a once a year thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I really have adapted this recipe very much from the first time that we brewed it. Um, the uh, the one year when it came out a bit lighter, that was more to do with just the mill not quite working as well as we wanted it to mm. that year. wasn't that deliberate. Um, so for the most part, if a recipe comes out the way that we want it to come out, then the only tinkering we're going to be doing is to make sure that the the outcome is similar despite the fact that the ingredients are changing year yeah. to year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, what you said. Great. So we're in agreement. I, I think the first thing is if, you, uh, if there's something you want to fix in a beer, or not fix, but like there's something that happens on one iteration that you weren't happy with, then the second time around you might change it to adjust for that. Remember the first version of Shibasaki Session, uh, the head retention was non-existent. Right. You would pour it and the head was very thin and very lacy and would vanish almost immediately. It was right. very tough to get any kind of like thick or creamy head on it. Uh, and that was something we changed like from batch one to batch two and almost immediately it was much improved. So I think that's kind of step one is if you make something and you go, oh, this isn't quite what we intended in some way, or I wish it was more this or less this, I think those are changes you can probably make, you know, from the second time onward. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, yeah, like you said, you know, if you're happy with something, uh, you can keep running it out the same way. Uh, I was talking to a, a brewer at another place, and he was mentioning that they uh, sometimes for them it's it's a sales cue. Like they have something that they've had, they've been making it the same way for a long time, and people have been ordering it and enjoying it. And when the sales start to dip on it, uh, that's when they might look at adjusting the recipe to, right, right. you know, not introduce a brand new version, but give it something a little bit different, a little bit special to draw people back to it. Mix it up a bit. Sometimes sure. people feel like once they've tried a beer, they don't need to try it again. Yeah. Right? I've had that one. Mm. I've checked that Pokemon off the list. Yeah. Um, so changing it up a bit can draw mm. people like that back. It's interesting. Like I, we, we obviously, you and I drink a lot of Shibasaki Session. And uh, I, I think it's a great beer. And I think a lot of our customers really enjoyed it in the first couple of years we were open. And it seemed like people went away from ordering it. And then in the summer we had, uh, I might have touched on this on the podcast before, but in the summer we, we finally had a festival event at the shrine near us. And we sold Shibasaki Session for 500 yen. So a lot of our regular customers drank Shibasaki Session again. And we don't really keep track of uh, like actual glasses sold. But in terms of the, the rate at which we moved kegs, 
it seemed like people discovered Shibasaki Session again. Right. And after that event, like we sold a lot of it that weekend because it was cheap. But after that, it really seemed like people ordered it a lot more. Mm-hmm. We hadn't changed anything. But I think because it had just been on the menu for so long and there were other, there's always new stuff to try that people moved away from it. And once they had it again at the festival, they went, oh, actually, yeah, this is a great beer. People started drinking it a lot more than they had before. Uh, and that was not an update or a change. That was just giving people a reason to try it again. Yeah, enticing them back to it or mm-hmm. something. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, the other thing I will say is that um, some things about recipes we can change um, if we understand what their role in the recipe is. So, for example, in this Thomas Chocolate Orange Porter, there isn't a great deal of hop character, um, but we do use some hops for bittering and some hops for flavoring as well. But because those bittering hops, all they're really contributing is alpha acid. And especially in this, a non-hoppy beer, a non-hop-forward beer, mm. we could really use just about any high-alpha hops that we wanted to. Right. As long as they weren't spoiled or, or, or off or anything, then it wouldn't really matter what we were using in there. Uh, we would have to adjust the amount. But um, that's a, an example of an area where you can just mix things up depending on what you have available to you mm. or what you have in your, your hop freezer uh, without really worrying about what its effects on the final outcome is going to be. Right. Thank you for the question, Krishna. Mm. That was a good one. Much to ponder there. What about pondering some of the beers that we're going to be having coming up this uh, this week, this weekend, Dan? Anything exciting hitting the shelves that you want people to know about? We uh, we have another West Coast case, mixed case coming in, and it includes. Uh, what might be my second favorite West Coast brewing beer. It's called The Prodigy. It's a juicy IPA. Uh, Number one favorite West Coast beer is Campfire Stories. Obviously, I've mentioned this before. Uh, The Prodigy might be my number two. So that's going to hit the shelves. And uh, that's just a great beer. How many cans are going to be left after you've been at it? Well, we're getting 12. So two. Two. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Depends how I'm feeling. Uh, so that one's going to hit the fridge. I'm looking forward to that. We also have a mixed case of Novo Brazil. Uh, we've had them in before. You remember they have they have really like gorgeous kind of Art Deco style yeah, very uh, fun. cans. With the toucan on them. That's right. Yeah. So San Diego Brewery, that's a mixed pack as well. So there's three kinds. And the reason I bought this one is because one of them uh, is an Imperial Stout, I Ooh. think. It's Imperial Stout. I'm not totally sure. But uh, one of them is a Novo Brazil Stout, which I haven't had before. So I'm pretty stoked about that. So again, after I uh, take my cut, probably a few cans left of that for, you know, the regulars. The rest of us can fight over the dregs of what you've left behind for us. This is how I like things to work. Um, Also on the tap boards, I mean, obviously we have Timer's Chocolate Orange Porter on tap from today when you're listening to this. Um, It's on tap right now. We also have quite a fun beer from... Be easy. We've been having a lot of good beer from them recently, haven't yeah, we? They've been doing good stuff. Uh, this one is a rye hazy IPA, which is a slightly unusual style. Mm, you're um, drinking it right now. I'm having a glass of it right now. I'm, I'm pairing it with a Tamas chocolate ice water. Nice. <laughs> I have to say, pretty tasty. Mm. Um, rye has a kind of interesting fruity, spicy character to it anyway. So going with um, uh, the kind of full mouthfeel of a hazy IPA and some nice fruity hops. It's really good. I don't think this one is going to be hanging around uh, for very long. Mm. So if that sounds good to you, get your skates on, get down here, have a glass of it. For those who don't know, cans go on the fridge on Fridays usually. Yep. 
Uh, so if you're interested in anything we talk about, if you're listening to this on Thursday uh, or on Friday, they're going to hit the, the fridge on Friday afternoon sometime. Anything that's that's in demand, man, the, the Verter Christmas beers that we got last week, they were gone. I came in on Sunday after being off Friday and Saturday. There was only three cans of one kind left. They, they right. went out the door. So if there's anything that's in demand, it will absolutely move. Speaking of in-demand beer... Um, update on our brewing situation. Um, we're almost ready to go. I went to the tax office again this week to give them more forms, you love more documents. That, don't you? Oh, it's it's always a highlight. Mm. Um, it's surprisingly hot in their offices, so I wonder if they might be shoveling these forms into a furnace in the basement. That's why they the keep asking place. for more. They need more paper in there. Right. Need more paper. Um, we're getting closer. I think we are now finished with them. There are a couple of different bits of cleaning that still need to be done, but uh, we're looking at possibly the coming week or the week after there will be brewing going on in here. So that's very exciting. Mm. Um, If everything goes smoothly and quickly and well, then we could even be drinking um, Sakamichi Brewing self-produced beer within this year. Wouldn't that be something? That would be great. Well, either way, hopefully that won't be too long before that, that comes out. That's about all we have time for this week. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you for everyone who uh, to, to everyone who wrote in with questions or to ask us questions. We always appreciate those. Um, hope you have a good week, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.